Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Father, we thank you. We thank you once again for your word. We thank you for your presence in this place. We pray, God, that you just move among, amongst your people right now, Father. I pray, God, that you prepare the hearts of those that are in this place and that, Father, they may receive a word that comes from you, comes from your throne, straight to the heart of your people, God. I pray that this may be a transforming word, a word that renews our mind, that renews the way we think, that renews the way we act, that renews the way that we walk this walk, Father God. I pray today, Father God, that you may minister to those that are in this place and that all those that came in may leave different, Father, that they may leave transformed, renewed, refreshed. In Jesus' name, amen. In the book of Matthew, Jesus is walking by the shore and he sees two brothers. And he sees that these two brothers that are fishermen, he tells them three powerful words that will forever change the course of their walk, the course of their life. And he says these three words, and it's, come, follow me. And these are three powerful words that our Savior calls out to us. And when we respond to that, it can forever change your, it can forever change your life. And without any further explanation, these guys didn't ask a question. They, the Bible says that they immediately followed. And that's, a, that's incredible obedience, isn't it? That when the Lord calls you and says, come follow me, you immediately follow him. And, and I'll tell you, it's very difficult at the, at the state that you're in when you don't know about God. And he comes up to you in your life and he tells you, come follow me. Very difficult for you not to question it and say, what is this about? Uh, where am I going? Who are you? They just trusted in him and they immediately followed them. And so um, I want to go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And today's title is called Against the Flow. And you see that little fish uh, going against the flow of all those big fish. This was an illustration I saw when, I was, uh, when we had come to the Lord. And uh, anybody who was in our youth group saw it because it was like the post, it was like the only poster that was in that room. And we, 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 we met in this little room and there was this poster of this little, little fish, this poor little fish, and all these angry, big teeth, shark fish going against you. And you feel alone sometimes going, going against that flow. And it, it, sometimes it's a walk that's so difficult to go. But God's called us to go against the flow. And um, that's what a disciple of Christ is. And that's what uh, today's teaching is about. Today's going to be more of a teaching. I know I preach here a lot. Uh, but today, if you're taking notes, it's a good day to take notes. Um, every day is a good day to take notes. But today's a special day to take notes because I'm going to teach you something that the Lord has shown me. And uh, it's about discipleship. We've been talking a lot about in this church about faith. And you know what? Discipleship and faith go hand in hand together. Because it's, it ta discipleship requires faith. We need that in our lives. And uh, last Sunday, we share, uh, Pastor, Pastor Joaquin shared about discipleship. He shared about servanthood. And I was able to hear some of it remotely. And so uh, Philippians verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, it says, I am confident. Let's go to New King James. I am confident that he has begun a good work in you. And he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. 
He has begun a work in us. And that work that He's begun in each and every one of you, He's not done. He's, he's, if, if, he, if you've responded to that, uh, that response of Him saying, come follow me, I'll tell you, He's begun a work in you, and He's not done with that work. And, and, and this, this, this thing called discipleship, it's a work in progress. While coming to Christ is an event, that's an event in our life. When we come to Christ, discipleship is a process. It's a journey. And um, so let's go ahead and read the uh, scripture for today, which is found in Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 35. You want to pay attention to this because this is where the teaching is going to come out of today. We're going to learn a lot from what Jesus was talking about here. Luke chapter 14, verse 25, it says, Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to follow me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost? Whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid down the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000 or else, or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of those, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Verse 34, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The question we need to ask ourselves this morning is, am I willing to follow Jesus completely, wholeheartedly, with all that I have? And it's a very easy thing to say. It's something you may even hear regularly in church. Follow Jesus there's even songs written about it, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And, I, and I'll tell you, it's a song I've been singing since I've come to church. And it's a song we still sing today. But is this really our action? Are we really walking what we sing? Are we really walking what we're talking? The main job of the church was not just to win souls. It's important to win souls but the main part of church is also to make and create disciples. Because a lot of churches will just call out and bring souls into the church. But then there's a lack of discipleship. And so it's a call of the church to do. The root word, this discipline, is disciple. And that's where that word comes from. So that word um, discipline, it comes from the word disciple. And it takes discipline and it takes time. You don't just become a disciple of Jesus. You become a believer of Jesus. You become a follower of Him. Now it's time to work to become a disciple of Him. And that's a process. There is a progress for that. And that requires discipline. 
that requires dedication. That requires for you to go against the flow. You can decide today to become a disciple and follow, follow him. But you will become one with discipline. You will become a disciple with discipline and time. So let's, let's look at this in Luke chapter 14. And that in uh, verse 25. So we're going to go and study this. Interesting, it says, Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them. So let's stick right there with that verse. There was great multitudes. Why were great multitudes where Jesus was at? Maybe people wanted to go and get some healing for their life. Maybe people wanted to get that free meal because they heard about the, the him feeding the 5,000. They always wanted to get something. People were consumers. I want to consume what Jesus has. And so that's why there was always great multitudes that went to go see him. And in this verse, in verse 25, it says that great multitudes went there to show up. But little did they know the word that was going to come from the master. Little did they know the word that was going to come from the teacher to teach them something about discipleship. And now we know that when the word discipleship comes out, there wasn't going to be great multitudes. There was going to, that group was going to diminish. That group was going to thin out when they hear the word disciple and the cost of discipleship. And he's about to tell them what it really means to follow Jesus. Because all these people are following Jesus. He's going to say, now I'm going to tell you what it really means to follow Jesus. It's easy to get crowds. It's easy to say, hey, let's go. Um, let's have some free meals. And let's, uh, let, let's invite everybody to come. Everybody will come. Everybody shows up to the barbecue challenge. Because there's free food. And it's not any food. It's good food. And everybody shows up to that. And everybody shows up to fun events that the church may have. One thing we've decided to do here in our church, in our youth group, because it's a generation that they're bombarded with uh, entertainment. They're bombarded with this media. Did we decide to compete with the world with all the media and all the entertainment and just say, let's just have them to have games and have a good time? We could fill this place with, with hundreds and maybe even a thousand or thousands of youth entertaining them all day long. And we don't want to just make followers of Jesus. We want to make disciples of Jesus. And so... Yes, we do have a good time in our group, in our youth group, in our, in our high school, in our elementary. We do have great events, but we never water down the discipleship of Jesus Christ in this place. We want to disciple. We want to disciple men and women of God in this place. And that's what we're raising up. What you see here, this band playing up there, these are real men and women of God that were young little kids running around in church, but they've been discipled. They don't just follow Jesus. They, dis they are disciples of Jesus. They are followers of Jesus. And so um, what happens is that it hasn't changed. Thousands of years later, we come by here to church today, and things haven't changed. You could, you could bring the great multitudes, but you bring out the cost of what it takes to be a true disciple of Jesus, and you're going to see it diminish. It's just the fact people don't want to pay the price because it's a big cost. And even if after today you don't like the word you liked that you, you heard here, you don't like the word and it made you shake up a little bit, I'm going to tell you that may be your flesh shaking you up a little bit. And it's going to be time for you to kill that flesh because that's a cost that you have to pay 
in order to be a disciple. And so some will be shaken by this kind of message. Some come to church to hear a good word, have a, have a good meal, hear good worship, have a good time with fellowship. But when it comes down to a word like this, it shakes you and it shakes your flesh. Your spirit may be willing, but it will shake your flesh because it's a hard thing for your flesh to pay. But it's a requirement. It requires discipline. And the crowds will diminish because of that. God doesn't want you just to be a consumer because we are all going to consume of God's goodness. That's a fact. But God wants you to lay down your life like he laid it for us. I'm going to tell you something. How many of you know that I'm going to stand before God? And I'm going to be accountable for every word. It's a scary thing. I'm going to be accountable for every word that's said in this pulpit when I say it. But it's a necessary word. And I'm not going to... I'm not going to water down anything that I say up here. I'm going to say the truth. Because when you receive the truth, the truth will do what to you? It will set you free. And it's going to set you free of all confusion. It's going to set you free of all bondage in your life. I want to share the truth here this morning. So be prepared. If you're in bondage, if you're in confusion, if you're going through whatever it is, I'm going to share the truth of God here today. This is not my opinion. You guys don't want to hear my opinion. It doesn't make sense. I'm going to share you the word of God because it's the truth. The truth is what will set you free. It's his truth. And so I want to share with you five illustrations, five images that Jesus shared. These aren't my opinions. This is the word of God. And I love Jesus when he, when he taught because every time he taught, he always used illustrations. He's my kind of teacher. I needed that. I need to hear not just one illustration, just give me another one. And he gave me another one. And he gave me another one until I get it. Okay, I get it. And so um, that's how I had to learn. And I know there's some people like me here, I hope. Um, but you need these illustrations. You need these pictures. You need these images. And so Jesus did this and provided these five images um, so that you can understand the cost of discipleship for your life and what it takes. And so let's read and let's, let's look at um, let's go through this real quick. Luke chapter 14, verse uh, 25 and 26. And this is image number one. Let's go to 26. So we know there's great multitudes. It says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. That's image number one of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Write that down in your notes. It's the image of a family. We are to love him above all. Now, we hear the word hate in here, and it's a very hard, harsh word to hear. We don't like the word hate. In fact, I, when my kids say it, I say, don't say that word, unless it's something that you're supposed to hate. And uh, so when they say, oh, I hate this, or I hate that teacher. No, you don't hate that teacher. Correct that. And so, um, but here he's saying, Jesus is saying, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, what does this mean? Well, Jesus, again, he, he often uses figures of speech. And it was often used for words for greater impact. And he uses metaphors. He uses similes. He uses parables. But here, and I looked this up, this was so cool because I wasn't the best, I'm not the best English scholar. I'm like far away from that. But I looked it up, and this is called, um, I don't even know how to pronounce it. 
and, hi and hyper hyperbole? Thank you. Smarter people in here than me. And so this is a, a hyperbole. I did look it up, and it's an intentional exaggeration to emphasize a point. That I do know. And so Jesus used a hyperbole because he needed to exaggerate and emphasize a point. And so here he's saying, my wife, he's saying that, um, he's telling you that this thing about hating your father and your mother, you are to love God more than you love your father, more than you love your mom, more than you love your children, more than even your own life. He's telling you, you are to love them. My wife tells the kids, I've told you a million times to go take a shower and go to sleep. She didn't tell them a million times. It was a hyperbole. She told them like half a million times. And so, and so sometimes you exaggerate to make an emphasis on a point, and Jesus did that here. Sometimes I say, I'm so hungry I can eat a horse. And so what the Scripture is saying here, that in order to be a disciple, you need to love Jesus more than anybody else. You need to love Jesus, even your own family members. And there are people who can't do that. There are people that really are, they love their family. That's a good thing. But it's not a good thing when they love them so much that they can't, they don't have room for Jesus. And Jesus is saying, your love for me has got to be even greater than that. I'm crazy about my kids. And when we had our first son, Brian, it was such a change in our life. When I saw that baby coming out, it was like, wow. I couldn't contain myself. I, I, I was just bawling there. And, and it, was, it was an incredible experience to see life and to know that the Lord gave me this. This is my son. I was in love instantly. And then to have another one, another one. I'm in love with my children. And Jesus is saying, you are to love me more than that. That's a big amount of love because I can see my children. I can feel my children, but I don't see God. And the way I've seen God has been through my family. The way I've seen God has been through my life. The way I've seen God has been through this family church. And that's how I've been seen, being able to see the love of God. And, be, and, and the fact that he's loved me so much and he paid the price for me. The Bible says I love him because he first loved me. But I love him so much more. That's huge. That's a huge statement to say. I love him so much more than I love my family then I love my wife, then I love my children, then I love myself. Is that hard for us to say? Then I love myself. I love Jesus more than that. That's a huge statement to say. Well, being a disciple, you need to do that. If not, don't even call yourself a disciple. Matthew 10, verse 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Verse 38. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That takes us to image number two. 
which is found in verse 27. So let's go to uh, Luke 14. So we, 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 we saw that number one is the image of a family, that we are to love him above all. Number two is the image of a cross. And so we see this in verse 27. It says, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. So here's image number two. Here's the illustration number two. If you didn't get number one, here's number two for you to understand. And there's a different purpose. There's a different meaning behind this. So you can understand what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, to take up your cross. There are times that you are going to have to give up to go up. Everybody say, give up to go up. So if you think you're going down, you're going to have to give up so that you can go up. And that has to do with taking up your cross. That has to do with bearing your cross and coming after him. There are moments in our life that you are going to be challenged to see what you love more. Different moments in your life that are just going to come right by you. And you're going to have to make a decision at that point. Do I love Jesus more than this? You're going to be challenged at times in your life, moments in your life. What you love more, yourself or him? We live for me, myself, and I. I tell the youth all the time, we, and I use a picture as an illustration. I take a picture of the group, and I got 50, 70 of them in a group, and I put it up on the screen and everybody's looking at the picture to see how it came out. But do you think that people care about how anybody looks like? The first person you look at is yourself in the picture. Because that's what you care about. You could care less how anybody else looked. Let me see how I came out. Where am I? Oh, I'm right there. I look good. Oh, look how I came out. It's, it's the first reaction. You're going to have moments. Not a picture. Forget the picture. You're going to have moments in your life where you're going to be in a crossroad where it's going to be you or Jesus, who are you going to choose? And you're going to have to crucify your flesh. You're going to have to crucify that me, myself, and I. Do you live for yourself? Do you look at yourself too much in the mirror sometimes? Hmm? Spend too much time doing your hair in the mirror? I'm not just talking to the ladies. I'm talking to the guys too. Uh-huh. I'm teaching that to Matthew at home because he takes a while with his hair. <laughs> Puts the gel and it's got to be perfect. Every single strand of hair is just perfect. So I'm teaching him. That's not about you only, Matthew. There's someone greater than you. He's like, I know, Dad, I know. And if you don't love any, if you don't love him more than you love anything, I promise you that you're going to come to a moment in your life that you're going to want to drop out. That you're just going to want to give up. You're just going to throw in the towel. And I see too many people like that because they struggle with themselves and they don't give up themselves. And so they get to the point of forget it. I, di I didn't, I didn't get what 
I wanted to get out of this. And they say, forget it. Don't call yourself a disciple. And you're going to want to stop being a disciple. And when the Bible talks about a cross, though we've made it into something pretty, and beautiful when you see a cross, oh, that's a nice cross. We've dipped it in, in gold and silver. Some people wear it, and it's something beautiful. We've got like the total wrong image of what a cross is. Not, I'm not saying it's bad to wear a cross or to have it. I think it's, it, is, it's, it is cute and pretty. But, but that's how we've looked at it. But I'll tell you that in those times, the cross represented a place of execution. When you talked about a cross, it represented a place of torture. It represented death. It was a scary thing. That's like if today we all wore little electric chairs in, in, in our chain. And you went up to someone, man, I like your little electric chair. It's so cute. It's, it just doesn't go, right? That's what they would probably see if they heard us today talking about how cute our little cross is. And we paint them so pretty. It wasn't a place like that. It isn't a, a, a nice sight. It was a place of torture. It was a place of execution. It is a place of death. You got to understand it. It's a place of death. And when Jesus is telling you to take up your cross, he's telling you to take up your cross and put to death yourself on there. There's a phrase in our prison system that when it comes time for an inmate to receive his execution, all the inmates begin to say, dead man walking, dead man walking. And they're, ready, they're, on, they're in line ready to get executed. And they say, dead man walking. And they're about to be executed because they know that even though he is alive and walking right now, he's good as dead. He's about to be dead. And when Jesus spoke about discipleship, he was speaking about a cross in terms of death. What does it mean to carry our cross? Well, Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. This is what it means to carry your cross. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is what it means to, to give up your, to carry the cross that you've been crucified, the same death that Jesus paid on that cross, the brutal death. We need to have a brutal death of ourselves, of our own desires, of what we want, of what we like. We need to crucify that. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. You see, it requires faith to live this life of discipleship. And it's been a word of our church for this year. It, it requires a life of faith. It requires a big price to pay. But there's an incredible reward behind that. When you have faith and say, God, I am going to crucify it. I am going to live. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crucify my flesh. I am going to follow you. I am going to love you above all. That requires a lot of faith. Who loved me. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And he gave himself for me. I love the word gave. He gave 
himself for me. When we live for me, myself, and I, the reason we love that verse is because we receive. It's for me. That's why we love that. We love to hear that he gave himself for me. Turn it around. Discipleship is about you giving. It's about you say, I'm going to give myself for you, Lord. It's for, Lord it's, for, it's for me to give myself for others because it's too much about me and needs to be about others. Galatians 5, verse 24. It says, And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We've got, this, we've got these desires in our heart. We've got these passions that we love to do. The Word is telling you to crucify that. If we're going to be His disciples and walk after Him, it means that we need to consistently, consistently, everybody say consistently. We need to consistently execute that part of our lives that seeks its own ways, that part of our lives that fights against the work of God and resists the Lord in our lives. You got to continue to execute that. You got to continue to crucify that. You got to put to death those desires. Anything that's going to stand in the way of your walk with God, you've got to put it out. That's discipleship. If not, don't call yourself a disciple. You got to go against the flow. It's your flesh, like I told you, that part of you that's just resisting this message here. You don't like it. It's shaking you up. I don't like it because you, you're dealing with me. You're dealing with my flesh. You're putting my flesh to the challenge. It's hard. It hurts to, to put a, a nail right through my desires. Yes, it's a cost. It's a price you need to pay. If you want to be a disciple. It's the part of you that says, don't give it. It's a part of you, it's your flesh that says, don't give it all up to him. Your flesh says, I don't want to give it all up to God. I want to give him some areas in my life, but not all of it. But Jesus gave it all. And he's telling you, this is, what, this is how you are to follow It's the part of you that says, I don't want to give up anything about me. I want to keep it all for myself. I want to love Jesus on Sunday. But then Monday to the Saturday, it's just going to be about me. I'm just going to show up on Sunday just to show up, just to please God. I'm going to give him my time. I'm going to even worship him in, the, in his house. I'm going to say hallelujah. I'm going to greet the brethren. I'm going to stay for a time of good fellowship. But then Monday through Saturday, just, it's my time. This is my time. My time. We even make it holy. It's my family time. Monday through Saturday, just, just my family time. No, you are to love Jesus greater than that. You are to make Jesus part of your family, the center of your family, the reason for your family. The problem is, Jesus said, if you live that way, you're not my disciple. Many people want to embrace Jesus as Savior, but they don't want to embrace Him as Lord. We want to run to Jesus because we, we want a ticket to heaven. We want to be a follower of Jesus. 
because we want to get to heaven, but we don't want to make him Lord where he just is intrusive and in, in interferes in our, the areas of our lives where he's Lord and he's, he's telling you this is how you to, are to live your life. Here is how you are to do it and do it according to what this book says for you to do it. We don't like that part. Maybe some of it I'll take it, but not all of it. No, that's what Lord is. That's what being in charge is. That's what it means to govern over your life so that he can put the statutes in your life, so that he can lead you to righteousness, so that he can lead you to healing in your life, so that he can lead you to restoration in your marriage, so that, he can, so that you can have the victory in your life. But there's a price that, that you need to pay, and you need to give it up to him. We don't want to... We want to take him as Savior, but not as Lord. The moment you talk about discipleship, and you have to bring up everything under his Lordship, you're reminding me that I have to pay a price. Yes. God, even if it has to do for you to interfere in my business, even if it has to do for you to interfere in my finances, to interfere in my relationships, it means every area, every part of your life. That's what it means to be a dead man walking. We are to be dead men walking. And I'm talking about your flesh. Because when you're a dead man walking in your flesh, you're a spirit that's living. Because you're set free. That's the truth. Go against the flow. Paul said, I die daily. Those were his words. I love that. But I hate to live it. I love that he said it. I died. Daily. I thought it was so cool. He's a warrior to say that. I die daily. That means I'm a dead man walking. Every day that you get up, every day that you wake up in the morning, you make a decision. Am I going to live for myself or for him? Living for the Lord means dead to yourself. That was image number two. So image number one was the image of a family. Is we are to love him above all. Number two is the image of a cross. Number three, it's the image of a tower. Let's go to verse 28, Luke 14, 28. It says, For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down and first count the cost whether he has enough to finish it? Verse 29. Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Verse 30 saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. You must consider the value of a good and strong finish in your life. You need to make sure that what the Lord has started in your life, you're going to finish. You need to consider the cost. What is it going to cost me to be a discipleship, to be a disciple of Jesus? Notice not of salvation. Jesus paid for that. Discipleship, you pay for it. 
Consider the, the, the cost of discipleship. Are you ready to go to the distance? Are you ready to fight to the end? There's a saying that says it's not about how you start, it's how you finish this race. So are you determined to say, God, today I'm going to decide to be a disciple and I'm going to follow you, I'm going to love you above all, but here are you counting the cost of discipleship and are you saying it's going to be till the end? I'm determined, and there's a key word there, I am determined to be to the end. Giving up my life for you, God. Paying the price. Halfway is no good. Are you ready to go the distance? Are you ready to take it all the way, all the way to the finish line? Do you have a, a have you made up a, your mind? A mind that says, I'm going to do it. Have you eliminated all the possibilities of defeat in your life? Anything that's going to attack defeat in your life, that's going to defeat you, have you eliminated all those possibilities so that there's nothing that can defeat you? Halfway is no good. Going halfway with God is not going to work. That's like a baseball player who gets a triple. He gets a solo triple, but he doesn't make it home. That run is just no good being on third. He's got to make it home. You've got to finish. You've got to make it home. You've got to let the Lord finish the work that he started in your life. That's the image of a towel. We're going to go to number four. And that's the image of a war. Sometimes this thing feels like a war, doesn't it? If you're doing it. For some of you, it isn't. Woo, I'm just coming here on Sunday and relaxing. Don't call yourself a disciple of Jesus if you're not in war. And so verse 31, it says, What king going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider... This is a good one. Watch this. Does not, uh, so you got one king, and, and, and he's making war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. So it's 10,000 versus 20,000. So verse 32, it says... Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. He, he's going to go and make peace. Verse 33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. This is image number three, point number three, illustration number three that Jesus gives to you that if you don't do this, don't call yourself a disciple. The message he's giving us is that a disciple, as a disciple, we must surrender, watch this, to the stronger king. Because a lot of us are battling with the Lord, giving up what we don't want to give up. But we need to know that we're going against the king. We're a king. But we're a king because we're hard-headed. And we need to surrender, and it requires humility to say, you know what, for a king to humble himself and say, you know what, I surrender. I surrender because this is a greater king than I am. So it's, I'm not going to win the battle. So I prefer to humble myself and just surrender. I was telling a young man uh, the other day that when you lift your hands to the Lord, that's a sign of surrender to him. It's almost like if someone puts a gun at you, you put your hands up, hands up. It's like, look, I got nothing. I'm not going to do anything to you. 
I've got nothing. Here, take it all. It's all yours. That's surrender. When you give it to Jesus, you say, God, take it all. It's all yours. I surrender. I'm not going to put my fists. I'm not going to fight you. No, no, just, just take it all. Just because you're a king, but he's a greater king. And a king is so hard for you to humble yourself and get on your knees, get on your face and say, God, you're greater than I am. You're greater than my, my flesh. You're greater than what I want. You're greater than my passions. I surrender it to you. This image is an image of war that we got to fight and that war is on our knees. That war is, is, our, is us lifting that, those hands to the Lord. The, the world will tell you, if you're not happy in this marriage, it's okay. There's plenty of fish in the sea. Find another one. No. God says, you want to have a great marriage? Surrender. Surrender. It's a big thing to do. Because it says, I'm not going to fight this anymore. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to surrender, and I'm going to let God take over. I'm going to surrender what I want, and I'm going to start to fight the battles of the Lord. I want to join that team. Rather than dying a proud and ignorant man, an ignorant king, he will surrender in humility. There's no sense in shedding more blood in our life. There's no, there's no sense to keep on fighting. Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple unless you're willing to give up control of your life. And we don't want to give up anything. We don't want to give up our seat. Some of us don't want to give up our seat here in church when we show up on Sunday. Like, I got my seat. I got my seat for the show. It's right here. We're at the, we're at the, at the mall, and you got, uh, someone's fighting you for parking. You won't give up your parking spot. It's my spot. It's hard to surrender it. That's just a parking spot. If you have a hard time giving up your parking spot, you've got a hard, you're going to have a hard time giving up your life to Jesus and surrender. If not, don't call yourself a disciple. Don't call yourself a world changer. Don't call yourself someone who follows Jesus. You're giving us a bad name. I'd rather there be, if there's thousands of here and at the end of this message there's a hundred, but a hundred that say I'm, I'm a committed follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a committed follower and disciple of Jesus Christ. God prefers that. God wants a core. God wants a core team that's going to stand up. There's a story about a lifeguard on a beach who, who saw a drowning man. Listen to this. He walked into the edge of the water but didn't go out to rescue him. People gathered on the beach and yelled and screamed at the lifeguard to go out and rescue the drowning man. The lifeguard went a little deeper into the water and he kept his eye on the drowning man. But the yells and screams of those that were looking didn't motivate him to swim out. Just when it seemed that the man was going down for the last time, the lifeguard swam out with strong strokes and grabbed the man and brought him back to shore. After some spitting and coughing, the man was conscious. But rather, rather than hailing him as a hero, everybody that was watching 
They were angry at the lifeguard and said, you coward. You saw he was drowning. Why didn't you go out sooner? The lifeguard patiently explained, you can see that he is much bigger and stronger than I am. And if I had gone out sooner, he was, he was kicking and, and punching so violently that if I would have probably, if I would have gone out there, I would have probably drowned both of us. As long as he was trying to save himself, I couldn't save him. But when he got tired and gave up, then I knew I could save him. And that's how we are. Jesus is trying to save up, save us. And it's not going to happen until we give up and just say, that's it. I'm done fighting, Lord. I'm done fighting this battle. I need you. I need your grace. I need who you are in my life. I need your strength. And it's a difficult thing to do. And it requires faith. My last point, which is number five, if you're taking notes, is the image of salt. Jesus uses the word salt here. In verse 34, it says, Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Verse 35. It is neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. That's it. It's no good. Salt was a very valuable commodity during these times. In fact, the, Romans, the Roman soldiers were paid with salt. As disciples, we must maintain pure in order to preserve goodness. That was another purpose of salt. It was to preserve goodness. The greatest value of salt was that it's, it was used as a preservative since they didn't have a way to refrigerate during that time, to refrigerate meat, salt would be applied to the fresh meat to prevent the meat from rotting. Listen to that. That's the, that was the purpose. Of, that was one of the biggest purposes of salt. It was to prevent the meat, because they didn't have refrigeration, to prevent it from rotting. Just as salt flavors and preserves food, we are to preserve the good in this world. We are, this world is rotting away. This world is, is going down, and our job is to preserve the good of this world. That's the call of the church. That's the call of a disciple. And we are to maintain pure. Anything that you see rotting away, your job is to maintain it pure. For you to give up what's dead and what should be dead in your life and whatever's good, that you maintain it pure. It requires discipline to do that. It requires discipline for a young person to maintain their purity until marriage. But that's something good to maintain. Something that's about to be rotten away. You got to stand up and say, no, I'm going to purify it. You are the salt of the earth. Being salty is not easy. But if we fail in this function, we fail to represent Christ in the world. How salty are you? How salty are you? Let's have the worship team come up. We've learned that it's the image of a family, the image of a cross, the image of a tower, the image of a war, the image of salt. All these 
require a price. Are you a real disciple of Jesus? Have you been shaken here, to, here this morning? I'll tell you, it's not me. It's the words of Jesus that have shaken you. Because the multitudes can come. But when the word of discipleship, which comes from a word of discipline, or where the word discipline comes from, and it requires a price, we shake in our boots. Do you want to be called a disciple of Jesus? Do you want to make him Lord of your life? Not just Savior? Many people sit here and call him Savior every single week. Savior, he can move the mountains. He can do all these things in my life. But is he Lord of all in our life? Is he Lord of your life? Are you a real disciple of Jesus? Not a wannabe. Not a talkie-walkie. You know what a talkie-walkie is? Is the ones that talk the walk. Those are fake. You need to be a walkie-talkie. Those that walk the talk. Those that walk what they preach. Because we preach we're disciples of Jesus. We preach we are followers. We are committed. We are on. Amen, pastor. We're with you. Let's change the world. Let's do all this. Don't talk it only. Walk it. Live it. Even if it's just you like that little fish and the whole world is against you. Sometimes I'm the only little fish in the business world. I was the only little fish in my baseball team in high school. I was the only little fish in my circle of friends when I came to Jesus. And I went over some like huge sharks and I'm this little fish. Jesus. But when God started to do the work in me, and I paid a price, I even had to crucify those flesh in my life. There was no more little Jesus in my life. I had a huge God on my side. Amen. Let's stand this morning. I have some questions to ask you, to challenge you. Are you a real disciple of Jesus? Ask yourself that question. Do you love Jesus more than anyone else? Even your family? Even yourself? Are you a dead man walking, carrying your cross? Are you committed? Are you committed to finishing strong for Jesus? Are you constantly surrendering everything you have to Him? It's a daily thing. Are you doing all this? If not, don't call yourself a disciple of Jesus. Are you willing to stay pure so you can be salt in a rotting world? Are you willing to do that? Every one of these things. Jesus is looking for a few good men. He's looking for a few good women. The humble, the pure, the dead, the committed. Will you decide today to move from just being a bystander, just someone who's just standing by, just being a fan. You know, people that, are, that, that go to a, a, an, a sport event, it's fun to be a fan, right? Just, but there's nothing to being on the field. And God is telling you to get out of the sidelines and being a fan and become a follower of Him, a committed follower of Him. I want to get on the field. 
There's a price to get on the field. It requires a lot of discipline. It requires a lot of conditioning. It requires, you just can't just get on the field. It requires a price. We all just want to be, all right, I, I want to get on the team, on the discipleship team. That's good. Get ready to train. Get ready to get sharpened by other men. Get ready to get sharpened by other women in your life. It's going to require a big, big price. But the reward is incredible. Now you want to hear something refreshing? The reward is incredible. But it's those that pay the price. You know, I've lost it all. I've lost it all in my life so that I can gain it all. And what I've gained, nowhere near from what I've lost. Nowhere near would I ever, ever trade places and go back to what God did in my life. Nowhere near. It can't touch this. What is it in your life that you are to give up in your life here today, this morning? I didn't even plan to have an altar call. I didn't know what the Lord wanted to do here. And I think it's necessary because it requires humility. It requires you to stand there even if you think you're the king of the world, you're the king of your life, you're the one that runs your own life for you to be humble before God and before men and say, you know what? I love God so much more than that shame of, I don't care what people think. If that's you here today and there's an area in your life that you need to give up to Jesus so that you can continue to be a disciple of Jesus, the altar is open. Don't just stand there like a bystander. Don't just stand there as a fan of Jesus. Come up as a follower of Him. As we sing this song, the altar is open and surrender to Him. Worship Him. Say, here I am. You can raise your hands to Him. Forget the person next to you and speak to Him. Say, God, here I am. And be specific with your prayer. Say, God, here I give you my heart. Lord, I give you my sin. I give you my desire. Whatever it is, my passion. My not committing to you. Whatever it is. Give it specifically to God. Spend time with Him. Surrender to Him. And let Him do a work in your life. And tell Him, I want to be your disciple. I want to pay the price. You paid the price for me. I want to pay the price for you. Worship Him. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Today's message is a very simple message. But it's necessary to hear it. Because it's, it's a daily thing to, to answer. Simple to hear. It's difficult to do because it requires complete surrender to Him. I want to end with this verse. It's found in Matthew chapter 16. Verse 24. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires, you have a desire to come after Jesus. I think a lot of people do. Well, you must let him deny himself. Himself. 
yourself. Deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus. Verse 25. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, you're going to find it. You're going to find fulfillment when you give up your life in exchange for what he has for you. I told you that this requires faith. And, it, and faith is, uh, is when you trust in God. In Proverbs 3, it says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding because to you, it doesn't make sense. To you, it's just, I don't like what my brain says. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Just God, I'm going to surrender and I'm just going to trust in you with all my faith. Don't lean on your own understanding. Verse 6, and in all your ways, acknowledge him. God, I want to follow you in all your ways. Not just some, all of it. And he shall direct your paths. He will make your path straight. He's in charge of your future. He's in charge of, of all the areas you surrender to him. And say, Lord, I want you Lord over those areas. Father, we thank you for this great day. Thank you for your word. This was your word today, God. These were your points. Your five points of discipleship. And what you require from us, the price we need to pay to be a disciple. It's such a simple word, God, but so difficult for our flesh to do. And we pray, God, that where we're weak, you may allow that to be perfect with your grace, with your strength, with your presence. We need you, Jesus. We surrender to you, God. You do the work in our life. We give it all to you, Father God. We empty ourselves before you so that you can fill it up with what you have for our life. Thank you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. You are all dismissed. Don't forget, we've got tonight.